Welcome to Street Smart Business Leaders Powered by Clout. I'm Ishaan Ellis, CEO of Clout, a national public relations and marketing communications firm headquartered in Chicago. Our agency is dedicated to uncovering insights and cultural trends to help business leaders better understand today's consumer. We also invite some of the best minds in business to come on our show to share their insight and experiences. So if you're interested in becoming a guest on our show, stick around to the end of this podcast and I'll tell you how to become one. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of Street Smart uh, Business Leaders Powered by Clout. I'm excited today. We have a really special guest with us, uh, Nate Lepgart, uh, who is the founder and CEO of uh, Kite and Dart, joining us today uh, to talk a little bit about his business and what he's doing. Uh, Nate, thank you and welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. So, so what is Kite and Dart? So we are a, we're a consulting agency. And we look at entrepreneurship through the lens of systemic inequality. We, we provide coaching, one-on-one strategy and scaling work, uh, coursework, and we have a marketing, full-service marketing team as well. That's, that's awesome. So, so tell me about your start here. You know, that's uh, the fact that I, I read a little bit about it's a collective of of uh, industry experts that you've brought together. So tell me about your journey. How, how'd you get started um, on this path and the, the area of focus that you've chosen? I wanna talk, dig into that a little bit more, but tell me about your start. So we started with, I see, I was working, I live here in Colorado mm. and I had a job in the cannabis industry at that time, which I thought was gonna be like a gold mine. It was uh-huh. not. <laughs> My wife uh, owns a successful real estate company here in Colorado. Mm -hmm. She had hired some coaches and they approached her with an offer to buy some intellectual property. And she said, well, we're going to be business coaches. And I said, okay, (laughs) that was the beginning. I had always had an interest in, um, in transformational work and coaching. I'm a a person in recovery and I had done a lot of work at Landmark. And so that, that was in my field house. Wow. Um, And so I just said, yes. Wow. And so a true passion point. So, so this area of, uh, and, and I, I read some of it in your bio of, mm-hmm. you know, diversity and inclusion, um, sort of leveling the playing field. So um, talk a little bit more about it. Is that a, a true passion of yours? You, you said that, yeah, hey, I'm in recovery. I've done some things. And so talk about uh, this area and why you, you think it's needed, uh, that ty- this type of service that you're offering, wh- why do you think it's needed? It's needed because the playing field's not level. True. And the folks that are in control of the conversation for entrepreneurship in this business, in business in this country, they don't have it like it's not level, as you're well aware. <laughs> sure, absolutely. <laughs> right. I say anything that doesn't work for you, please correct me. No, no, no. I, I agree with you 100%. And I got into it because I was hosting a networking meeting in Denver and a woman was um, sexually harassed during one of the presentations. Oh my God. Okay. And so after we addressed that and, and the event was over, she sat down and she talked to me and she said, um, you know, this is why I can't network because every time I go to a networking group, somebody hits on me and I'm mm-hmm. not safe and and I got that as like systemic inequality. Sure. Yeah. And so 
so we, uh, you know, we, we talked back and forth with the, the founder of that group. He didn't want us to start including language because he felt it was too political. So the team left and we started our own event. Um, and we started it at the Blair Caldwell African-American Research Library mm -hmm. in Denver, which is one of the largest uh, depositories of, 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 of African-American research materials uh, in the west of Mississippi. Mm -hmm. And, and I, we were doing it every Friday and we were marching in this group of well-intentioned white folks every single <laughs> month. And I saw the look in the librarian's <laughs> face and I was like, okay, what do we need to do? Mm -hmm. What do we need to do? Um, and it just so happened at that time I was co-working uh, in a space called Converge Denver and there was a nonprofit in there called Building Bridges, and they had been doing a lot of this kind of facilitation work, and we're launching a new DEI program where they were going to be selling DEI. And the EDE asked me if I would coach because I had been doing some work pro bono. Sure. And I started, I started coaching Jenny Madrano, uh, but by the second session, I was getting coached, and she's the first <laughs> one that introduced me to. Um, you know, the principles of white supremacy and patriarchy and it's distinguished whiteness for me. And then all of a sudden it clicked. I was like, this is what we're dealing with. Oh, wow. It's like a cultural narrative that says that this is how business is supposed to be. And this is how it is. But sure. really, that's just worker training. And when she showed me those things, I was like, oh, my goodness, this is what's up. This wow. is what's stopping people. So. And then I have a pretty diverse family. I've got four kids from Honduras. Um, my niece is black and um, I've been blessed to have a diverse amount of people around me. But as that work continues, that's what happens. So I'd love to sit here and tell you, man, that I like in virtue signal, like I, I really like, oh, I woke up and this is what I wanted to do. No, man, it play, it happened. It's me. real life. I know that's yeah. the best way of doing it. it. Was, I'm yeah. blessed, but it just happened. I didn't choose it, really. I just that is. Yep. That's fantastic. So tell me some of the things that you're doing for, for companies. Uh, as you, well, tell me some of the things that you're doing. And, and I have a follow-up question of mm -hmm. how you think, you may not be able to, uh, how DE&I has evolved from mm -hmm. back in the day to now. We, we had some, you know, pretty interesting times in, you know, 2020 with, you know, uh, the election and then George Floyd and all these other things happening how has the role or has it evolved the role of, of DEI? that's it's kind of the, the 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 new buzzword you know that corporations like to throw around uh how do you think it's evolved or do you think it's evolved at all i don't have um that much experience directly because we don't do dei work directly we do okay. you know business consulting for what we would call historically excluded entrepreneurs Got it. Okay. Okay. Women, LBGTQ folks, and BIPOC folks, right? Poor mm -hmm. people of all races. I mean, it, it's clear to me like who gets to be entrepreneurs and how, who gets the best shot at winning and who gets the worst shot at winning in entrepreneurship. So, and what I can say is, is through my participation in the training that I'm doing um, with building bridges, is uh, what our noticing is on in that nonprofit that sure. I volunteer. Yeah. At, yeah, is, you know, there was a big pop after George Floyd. Um, and then, you know, we had the protests and then it has died down. Yeah, I agree with you 100 yeah. percent. You would that. know better than me, sir. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was it was heightened. And what I've seen and it kind of translates a little bit into uh, what you're doing with the in the entrepreneurial space. That is um, when I think about DE&I and I guess I'll, I'll talk a little bit about it. And that is 
you know, it, it's gone from, or it needs to go from just it being an HR function to looking at all aspects of, of business. And one of them does impact entrepreneurs, and that is the diversity of the supply chain. So if you're helping entrepreneurs and if you talk a little bit about that service, because I, I definitely want to make sure that the listeners know clearly the type of uh, services that you're providing, uh, because I'm there, there are folks in the group that listen to these podcasts definitely could use the, the type of uh, service that you provide. So why don't you talk a little bit about, uh, about the actual services that you provide yeah. to, to my uh, uh, entrepreneurs? Well, that's nice. And that's super mm-hmm. generous of you too. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're about, what we're about is access. And, and I think what happens is, and, and you, if I say anything that doesn't resonate with you, let me know. And if it does, please let me know. Sure. Yeah. But I, I think our culture is pushing a narrative about entrepreneurship that is not authentic. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if we look at like the myth of American exceptionalism, this idea that this is the greatest country that's ever existed and we're the best people. And, and I'm like, for who? <laughs> yeah. Right, you know, right. For a certain segment of the population, but not most people. Right. Um, and I think also my partner and I, Karen Bartlett, who's a 30, you know, a retired educator, 20 years in the industry of education. And I call it an industry. We're talking about it today. And basically, we're being trained consistently to be workers. We go to school, you know, we get a F, we get a D in something. We're told to work harder on the D. The A doesn't get focused. There's nothing after the A. There's right. standardized testing, right? So they're, they're, there's this narrative for fitting people into a box. Mm. Yeah. And, and when non-traditional entrepreneurs like myself and you and anyone that we talked about, you know, we're not coming to entrepreneurship from money typically, and we're not coming from a family background. That's white collar. Mm-hmm. Most of my clients don't come from that. Some do, but either way, their parents were probably employees. Yeah. And I think when I see entrepreneurs hit the ground, we talk a lot about imposter syndrome. I, 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 I dealt with it. that myself. Yeah. I, I yeah, dealt I'm with sure it. You yeah. Have. yeah. Oh, I yeah. What that is, is, is like, you know, the further away from the rich, cis, white, entrepreneur you get the more imposter syndrome is going to show up why well because you're stepping out of line Mm -hmm. so for us our work starts with clarity so you know when entrepreneur starts a business we 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 are just dealing with like two things really what our society has taught us about entrepreneurship and what we learned in school and to me both of those are suspect like the jailer is not going to give the prisoner the keys it's not (laughs) happening So we start with giving folks a way to look at business that empowers them to make choices that are aligned with what they're best at Mm, and what they care about the most. That's where we start. With clarity is what we sell first with every client. And then from there, it's up to y'all. Sometimes it's it's a lot of times we deal with position to market. So like helping folks have a diversified product set so they don't have to discount their higher end products to meet people where they want to meet them. Sometimes yep. we do marketing, we call it, we call it marketing with empathy and consent, which is a crazy thing. <laughs> and then, and then right. sometimes, yeah, you know, like empathy and consent, right, right. I love that you're nice to see you. Yeah, I see you. <laughs> I feel validated, sir, by your agreement. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. Stuff, I want to say this too. I know all this stuff because women and folks of color taught me this stuff. Because, mm-hmm. you know, as a white man, I can't see this stuff. Mm-hmm. So, I, you know, I really appreciate it. Yeah. And, and then uh, sometimes people do coursework. We have subscription. There's a self-paced coursework with office hours that we do. And, love you know, it. And 
we really wanted to create programs that people could participate in. I mean, our subscription is $99 a month and the work is really good. And that way people, you know, some folks like it takes them a while. And we want to create a product where they could get good support, get the, our, our best coaching and our best consulting, mm-hmm. but have it be sustainable. So that's where we're at. Yeah, the sustainability part is is a, a big part of it. It does it does take guts to say, hey, I'm gonna go out on my own and do it. So that's yeah. that's that's part of it. It the what I when I talk to people about entrepreneurship and it's in line with what you're saying, mm-hmm. you know, I, for a long time I had to get used to the uncertainty that comes with entrepreneurship. Because right. you're right, right. We, we're taught to, to think as workers. And so when I decided that I was going to leave my cushy McDonald's job and go out on my own, mm-hmm. you know, folks in my family couldn't understand why would you leave a great job with salary benefits and you can work there and, and retire from there? Why would you leave and, and go mm-hmm. do high risk, you know, <laughs> thankless, you know, all the, the stuff that comes with entrepreneurship. And yeah. um, I recognized that I didn't have enough people around me to help me get thank thank thankfully i got involved with the right uh networks yeah. uh groups Good. that helped me do it but yeah. i i like what you're talking about at that that sustainability part because there were many days when i felt like i this is nuts let me just go get a job be a worker work for someone yeah. and t- had i had a service like yours you know who who knows how quickly i could have gotten to where i am now um so offering something like this is, is, uh, is needed. Uh, what are some of the things that you see when, you, when you're dealing with entrepreneurs? What, what are some of the common things that, uh, is it fear that they, they talk most about or, or they don't know what they don't know so they're, so they're blissfully ignorant on, on what's to come in entrepreneurship? Great question. That's a great, so, so what, I, what I love about entrepreneurship uh-huh. is that, when we're dealing with the kind of folks that that we deal with, who are folks that are committed to creating businesses for contribution, to make a difference, to improve the lives of others, to make it so that other people don't have to go through what they went through. Sure. They tend to be really damn good at what they do. Mm, There tends to be a When somebody chooses the business from the heart, there tends to be a lot of alignment and they tend to be really good at what they do. The challenges that I see entrepreneurs dealing with, particularly leftist entrepreneurs or mm-hmm. historically excluded entrepreneurs that mm-hmm. are not willing to take up the tools of the oppressor to run a business. Right. Right. There's this, the problem is access to growth, sales, and marketing in a way that's consistent with our values. Because yeah, all, all we yeah. know, all we know is, is oppression, mm-hmm. really. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so, so for us, it's about getting folks to understand that, that out of the gates, and some people will hear this and I'll never talk to them again. So I think I just want to say this, just mm-hmm. do you do what you're good at, do, and then do something that when you sell something, you know that the world's changing the way you want it to change because emulation is a race to the bottom. Mm-hmm. I agree. O2 t- businesses are the same and nobody knows more about what folks are doing than they do. And, and there's no one size fits all magic bullet solution to business. I think authenticity is what works 
And I agree. People, yeah, thank you. I want to hear what you say. What you have to say. <laughs> what have you noticed, really? What have you noticed in your? No, journey? no, no. This has yeah. been fantastic. And so, yeah. well, what I what I like about what you're you're saying, especially about how does it make the world a better place? Oh, yeah. I, you know, I what I enjoy about what I do, um, mm-hmm. especially in in this PR space that I that I work uh-huh. in communication spaces. Yeah. I, I get to control the narrative of the communities that I'm from. You know what I mean? So yeah. Yeah. We, we focus a lot on multicultural work. And That's so cool. I like that. And I, and I don't lead with that with, maybe I should, I don't lead with that in my, when I'm promoting the business or I'm talking to a potential client that, you know, what's important to me is to control, I get to control the narrative or the stories that come out of the community because I'm helping clients either package up a product to sell to that community. And that's my opportunity to educate. Uh, And in my own way, I am helping because I'm working with the media to tell more positive stories in those communities. Yeah, you are. But I, but I like, I like what you're saying and maybe we all should really look at how are we making the, the world a better place. It sounds lofty, but it's really not. When you think about b- companies, how are they, like, I, I, I think of a, I don't know, a Warby Parker where you buy a pair of gl- some glasses, they give a pair out, that, that kind mm-hmm. of thing. Yeah. Should we be pushing more companies to do that? Should we, entrepreneurs that enter the space, is, that, is, is there a business model there for that? And I guess, uh, the, the big fears can you make money doing good yeah i mean that's i do okay you know i yeah. probably don't do as much as like the big guys but so we gave close to forty thousand dollars of discounted and free coaching to um historically excluded entrepreneurs last year so it could be lg lgbtq folks uh disabled folks yeah. folks of color um and, and it and it was expensive now but and here's the thing first of all you know, to sharpen my, to stay where I need to be as a coach or as a consultant. Sure. So what I've noticed is, is the, the people that are being the most oppressed are the ones that know the most about oppression. Mm. And, you know, these oppressive forces and internalization, these are real things and they affect consumer behavior. They affect entrepreneurial behavior. Yeah. They affect the behavior of loaning institutions. It's everywhere. And so I went in because I knew I needed to make reparations. And I wasn't in a financial place to start giving folks money, sure. but I could offer coaching and I could offer consulting. And I started doing that and I, and I learned so much more. Mate, that's awesome, man. That's it is really a blessing. Cool it's yeah. such a blessing. So, so here's the thing. People talk about losing money. I'm like, first of all, you don't have the money that you think you're going to lose. Number one. Okay? You, <laughs> but you don't have that right. money that you think you're going to lose. And I get it in the beginning of a business. Obviously, all of our clients have the same thing in common. They all said yes. Mm-hmm. And I think in early adoption, we got to work with whoever shows up. That's the reality. Very true. For Very us, true. Right. So if we're not hyper capitalized, you know, it's scrappy. And I think there becomes a time in, a, in the entrepreneurial arc where we have to transition. And, and, and for me, I think what I think is the biggest predictor of successful relationships in business and in life is shared values. Very true. And shared values are, and shared values can't be created. They can only be discovered. Mm -hmm. And what we do is when we, when I put a brand out, like I do, and someone like you reads my website, first of all, you let me be a guest on your show. Thank you. Yeah, no, no, this, I, I, I'm vibing with what you're talking about. But secondly, you get to, we get to, you get to see, so now we're good. We're vibing. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And this is what people, you know, I don't, I never understood this. Like, why do we as a society decide the best way to do marketing and sales is the way that we don't want to be marketed or sold to? That's the weirdest thing ever. <laughs> Nobody wants to be treated like a number. <laughs> right. Nobody wants to get cold called. Nobody wants to get triple dipped. It's so weird, you know? So, yeah. so I think commitments are vital, particularly in markets like we're in now where prospective clients have so many more points of access. Yeah, very yeah. true. So, and I love it anyway. I mean, commitment-based marketing is my jam. I'm super fascinated about how strangers turn into clients. And I'm super fascinated about how we can teach entrepreneurs to do that process in a way that feels good. I want entrepreneurs to feel the same way when they're selling and when they're marketing as they do when they're delivering that service. If I can provide that to a client, that's the biggest contribution I can make. That is fantastic. So how can people get a hold of you? What's so the best give way, your, Yeah. How can, oh. so the folks are going to be fired up from this conversation. So oh, how can so. they get a hold of you? I'm fired up. <laughs> <laughs> um, the best way is to go to the website. So www.kitedart.com. That's kite like you fly and dart like you throw. Or you can just shoot me an email, which I love actually, Nate, N-A-T-E at kitedart.com. And we offer a free one hour coaching session to every client. There's no strings attached. It's not weird. We're not, you know, it's not like 15 minutes of coaching and 45 minutes of pitching. Right. We actually have asked like for you, right? You're, you, you had this wondering, I wonder if I should bring more values into your business. Well, you can just email me or we could talk after. And then we can talk about it for an hour. And if something comes out of it, great. And if nothing comes out of it, great. But that's what we're here to do, you know, and, and contribution sits at the center of our business. So thank you so much for having me. I really that is it. awesome. Hey, you guys definitely uh, check out Nate's site and, and reach out to him. If you, you have a business idea that can make an impact in your community or the world, you know, this is someone I think you want to talk to about about doing this. And and Nate, thanks for for, you know, doing what you do and, and having this passion. And, and it's infectious. I, you know, again, you and I just started talking today on this. And uh, but I feel it through the conversation that uh, uh, it, it's the right thing to do. And, and it, it, it does um, encourage me to look at my mission and, and this this whole thing about changing, uh, controlling the narrative, the story that comes out of uh, the, my communities. And so maybe talk a little bit more about there or lead with that. So thanks for that. And thanks for the time this afternoon. Thank you. You know, I want to acknowledge you for how much harder you've had to work in this culture than I have had to have mm-hmm. a successful business. And for me to get your sign off and your agreement means the world. So thank you so much for that. And thank you for having me on the show. Thank you so much for listening to Street Smart Business Leaders Powered by Cloud. Now, if you know someone who'd be a great guest for the show, please send them my way or have them go to cloudllc.com slash podcast slash apply and we'll take a look. If you got something great out of today's show, please let me know what you thought. Also, share it on social media and be sure to subscribe to the podcast itself. Again, the whole goal behind the podcast is to share experiences and insights so we can all develop and grow. So until next time, make every day your masterpiece. Take care.